Hello and welcome to this third edition of the Heart BMJ podcast. I'm Dr. Alistair Lindsay here at the Heart offices in central London. Today I'll be discussing with Dr. Declan O'Regan his paper recently published in Heart entitled Assessment of Severe Reperfusion Injury with T2-Star Cardiac MRI in Patients with Acute Myocardial Infarction. This study, performed here in London at the Hammersmith Hospital, addresses the increasingly hot topic of how we use cardiac MRI in the diagnosis and treatment of patients with acute coronary syndromes. In this study, the authors used a particular MRI measurement, known as T2-STAR, to quantify the presence of reperfusion haemorrhage in patients who had been treated with acute intervention for ST elevation myocardial infarction. Joining me in the line now, I have Dr. Declan O'Regan from the Hammersmith Hospital here in London, the lead author on the paper. Good morning, Declan. Good morning. Well, thank you very much for your paper, which we greatly enjoyed reading here at Heart. I wondered if we could start a little bit, first of all, uh, by talking about the role of MRI in acute coronary syndromes. It certainly seems to be quite a a hot topic at the moment. I think increasingly more centres are becoming interested in performing cardiac MR in the first few days, the first week or so after myocardial infarction. It's not a routine test yet, but I think it gives very useful information about prognosis that you can't get from uh, conventional tests, uh, typically echocardiography. Importantly, it lets us see exactly the extent of the damage following um, the heart attack, uh, how large the scar tissue is, uh, and also functional information, very accurate functional information. And increasingly, I think this is being understood to... um, have quite important prognostic information for risk stratifying patients. It also lets us look at the tissue responses as well to both infarction and reperfusion, and this was the subject of our paper. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. So um, as well as infarction and, and late gadolinium imaging, uh, you've used T2 imaging and T2 star imaging in particular in this paper. Could you just fill us in a little bit more on those and the sort of information they can give us in MRI? Well, the T2 imaging has been used for a long time and it has a great advantage in that it lets you retrospectively see the area of ischemic damage before the patient had their primary angioplasty. So this has a huge advantage over nuclear medicine methods where the tracer would need to be administered before they have their procedure. So this lets us have a window of about a week or two weeks or so in which we can see the area of edema in the heart and we know that that tissue was ischemic before they had their angioplasty. So that's the area at risk. That's the area that we're trying to salvage during the uh, angioplasty procedure. I see. So and with that in mind, could you just run through your, your study protocol too? As you've taken 50 ST elevation MI patients and uh, you've imaged them quite quickly after their procedure. That's right. So uh, we looked at 50 patients and we tried to scan them as soon as possible after their primary angioplasty and uh, this was uh, we managed to do it within seven days in all of these patients and really we tried to be as broad as possible exclude as few patients as we could obviously some patients weren't medically stable for their study so that does introduce some bias into the um, into the work but what we wanted to do particularly was to look at reperfusion injury so we know that um, Reperfusion is the most effective way of salvaging ischemic myocardium, but it's also been well described that there's a paradoxical effect as well, that uh, cells that were potentially viable before reperfusion may actually undergo 
uh, necrosis following um, uh, re-establishing uh, the patency of the coronary artery. Um, and some work suggests this may actually be responsible to up for up to half the final infarct size. So this potentially could be quite a, a big effect. So the way we wanted to identify reperfusion injury was looking at hemorrhage. Hemorrhage probably is only really the tip of the iceberg in terms of reperfusion injury, but it does indicate the most uh, severely uh, affected muscle where reperfusion has led to hemorrhagic transformation of the infarction. So for this technique, we use T2 star imaging, and T2 star imaging has become uh, very well known for measuring iron content in patients with thalassemia. And essentially, we're using this technique Instead of measuring um, iron deposition, we're looking at using T2 star for measuring hemorrhage, the methemoglobin that appears in the tissue uh, following reperfusion injury. Thank you. Well, that's very clear. And this, uh, this hemorrhage change after infarction, is this something that's uh, only previously been described histologically or has it been noted in any other imaging techniques? It's been noted for quite some time, actually, and particularly in animal models, um, the role of hemorrhage and its effect on T2 and T2 star imaging has been quite well described. But it's only been fairly recently that the techniques have become refined enough to use it routinely in post-infarction patients. So this technique is very, very sensitive and lets us detect quite small areas of reperfusion hemorrhage and correlate them to other indices of uh, ischemic damage. Yes, yeah, so that was going to be my next question. So obviously you assessed hemorrhage by the T2 star values, but one of your comparators was uh, microvascular obstruction, or MVO, as seen on the late gadolinium imaging. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that and, and what that tells us post-MI? Well, I think it's been quite well described now that microvascular obstruction, or, or MVO, um, is an independent risk factor for heart failure and left ventricular remodeling. So it's a, quite an important prognostic indicator. What we've shown is that that area of MVO corresponds very closely to the area of reperfusion hemorrhage as shown on the T2 star imaging. Now this doesn't prove that MVO is purely a uh, reperfusion injury, but it does add some circumstantial evidence to suggesting that hemorrhage may have an important role in the development of microvascular obstruction. And this certainly has some important prognostic effects for the patient. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's one thing that comes out very nicely in your paper. The other thing I was interested to know is whether during the course of this work you got any feel for the time course of this uh, post-PCI hemorrhage. Do you feel personally it's something that occurs almost instantaneously or is it likely that this is worsened after the PCI by the anticoagulants and so forth we give? Well, that's a good point. Uh, it's not something that we were able to establish from, from our study, but we did find at whatever time point in the first week or so that we imaged the patients, the area of hemorrhage and the area of MVO corresponded very closely to I each see. other. And in some cases, even patients who were reperfused very promptly, presenting to the hospital within an hour or two of the onset of their chest pain, in some cases, there was very extensive MVO mm -hmm. and reperfusion hemorrhage throughout the heart. Um, so this was a, a particularly interesting finding in that uh, patients who even present early may, in fact, be quite vulnerable to having extensive reperfusion injury if the area of necrosis is quite large. 
I see. So that obviously has implications for our treatment strategies, but that's very a keen observation and very good to know. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out, and a, a very nice finding of your study, is that hemorrhagic change seems to be associated to some degree with the transmurality of the infarct. And obviously you found that the, the more transmural the infarct, then the increased the chance of hemorrhagic change. Um, so this is something, again, that perhaps uh, has this been shown in previous animal studies, or was this something that, that surprised you? Um, well, we know that MVO tends to occur... Um, in the most severely uh, ischemic infarcts where there is near or almost complete transmural infarction. So we found that in, in those same sorts of patients that uh, hemorrhage was a very common finding. Interestingly, there are some parallels, I think, to thrombolytic therapy for cerebral strokes. Uh, and in these cases, patients are, of course, screened before thrombolytic therapy is considered to see the extent of the potentially salvageable tissue in yes. the peri-infarct region. Now, our study showed effectively that if salvage hasn't been achieved during the course of primary angioplasty, then the risks of severe reperfusion injury and hemorrhage within the muscle are substantially increased. Interesting. So there is some uh, possibility that, in fact, these infarcts where very little salvage is possible may actually suffer from very severe ischemia reperfusion injury uh, as a consequence of the primary angioplasty procedure. Right. So I guess the next question has to be, can you ever imagine it being practicable that patients have a similar sort of screening scan prior to the, the primary PCI? Or at the moment, does the scan just take too long for that to be a, a possibility? I think it would be. There's one study, I believe, that's actually looked at doing cardiac MR um, immediately prior to PCI, where they have a setup of a combined MR and uh, cath lab in, uh, within the same room or same facility. Uh, so a fairly brief cardiac MR can be performed to assess the uh, extent and location of ischemic injury before they immediately proceed to having their angioplasty. Uh, it's possible. Um, it's an interesting idea that perhaps uh, patients who have these completed infarcts um, may not benefit from primary angioplasty and potentially may suffer from more severe consequences and complications as a result of that treatment. Um, so I'm not sure it's something that we'd be able to answer in the short term, but it's certainly an interesting question and also something that hasn't really been addressed in preclinical animal studies is the effects of anticoagulation and antiplatelet drugs on the effects of um, ischemia reperfusion injury. So that's certainly something that might be useful for future work. Yes, obviously a, an interesting uh, number of possibilities opening up. Um, I just wondered if, uh, as regards to this particular study, the cohort that you looked up, are they now under long-term follow-up or any serial imaging studies planned? We are following them up. We're bringing them back 12 months after their initial visit, primarily look at um, the extent of left ventricular remodeling mm -hmm. and the extent of residual scar at 12 months. So we hope to be able to see whether those patients who have severe ischemia reperfusion injury actually end up with more poorly functioning remodeled ventricles in the long term. Yes, and another huge advantage of MRI, of course, that serial imaging studies like this are, are quite possible and very safe for the patient too. Yes, absolutely. And um, I think 
Cardiac MR following the um, initial presentation of myocardial infarction is increasingly going to be used as a valuable prognostic test for trying to identify those patients in which the outcome is likely to be poor. Well, Declan, thank you very much for not only a, a great paper, but for summing up the field of uh, acute MRI scanning uh, in the STEMI and acute coronary syndrome patients that we all see routinely. And thank you very much for outlining its role today. Thank you. Thank you very much for joining us for this third edition of the Heart BMG podcast. Please look out for our next edition, which will be online soon.